An angel's height is 500 years. It's best to stay silent against jeers and sneers. Strive to become a willing donor because Hashem will return money to its rightful owner. Okay, so this week I am covering Shmir Alasha and Shar HaTabuna, the 9th through the 11th uh, chapter. So beginning in the 9th chapter, beginning in Perektet, so the Chavitz Chaim says that uh, it's very important to strengthen and strengthen your trust in Hashem. And uh, outside of the Chavitz Chaim saying, outside of Bitachon in and of itself being something that we should strive for, uh, having trust in God also has this added benefit of being able to avoid, you know, keep us away from speaking Lashon Hora. And the Chavitz Chaim says that we have a tendency when we're angry at someone to look for that person's faults, to not not judge that person favorably. And then once we pick up on all those faults, we'll tell them to the world and end up sinning the terrible sin of Lush and Hora. So we should keep in mind that no one can take away the honor and wealth that was sort of allotted to a person on Rosh Hashanah. In Yoma 38a, it says, don't be concerned um, by someone that may be taking your livelihood. Why? Because it was already decided on Rosh Hashanah that that's how much money you should have. So if someone's taking it, either you'll get it back or or you weren't supposed to have it in the first place. Basically, let things go that you shouldn't always, you know, if someone, if you feel like someone's cheating you or something, sometimes you just have to say, well, I'll get it back somehow, I guess. And uh, that that would be sort of a true uh, bitachon. Now, to, in Tehillim, it says, um, having trust in God, putting your trust in God, um, it says, put your trust in Hashem, do good live in the land, and be nourished on Emuna. And the Chavetz Chaim talks about how, you know, a person should set time to learn Torah, he should give tzedakah, give charity, and, um, you know, when a person does all these things, the Yetzirah will tell him, you're giving up on opportunities to make money. You're setting time to learn Torah, you could be making money in that time. You're giving away tzedakah, you're literally giving away your money, you should keep your money. So, however, that's just the Yetzirah talking. In fact, if we truly have trust in God, we'll know that in the times we're learning Torah, it wouldn't have been worth trying to make money in that time. We wouldn't have been successful in the end. And all same same is true with giving tzedakah. If we don't give tzedakah, we'll lose it for no apparent reason. It'll be taken by the government, etc., etc. Now, the Yerushalmi in Sota says that a man was approached with a business deal while learning. And the man that was learning Torah said, you know what, I'm not going to waste my time with this business deal because... I'm learning Torah right now. So had I taken the business deal, I would have lost the money some other way. I wasn't supposed to get that money um, because he was learning Torah in that time and God would repay him, you know, commensurately. Now in Barachos 16a, it says that working extra, doing a ton of extra work doesn't necessarily result in extra money. Um, in Yirmiyahu, it says that if you a person takes money that doesn't belong to you, belong to him, then it'll be taken for him. And in and top of that, he'll die as a fool. In Avos to Rebbe Nassan, it says, Bittel Torah, you know, time that you spend not learning Torah ultimately will lead to Bittel in other times, will lead to your other parts of your day that you want to use in other th- other matters will also be wasted, unfortunately. And this is kind of this idea of Mida Kenegin Mida, that um, measure for measure, just the way that, you know, if we, you know, take, for example, if we... Um, we're supposed to give money to tzedakah, but we didn't, we're going to lose that money some other way. 
In Midrash Rabbah, Chazal teach us that a house that is not open to the to the to the poor is going to be open to sickness. So again, that basically, if you think you can kind of avoid and and become more wealthy by not giving, it's actually going to end up hurting you in the long run. Uh, you're going to kind of end out even anyways, and not only will you end up even, but you'll actually cause sort of your own suffering. That if you give tzedakah willingly, at least you're a willing participant. Otherwise, it'll be forced from your hands. And why struggle with wealth that isn't yours? That basically, if everything belongs to God in the first place, then why struggle to try to find wealth that doesn't belong to you? Because ultimately, you're not going to be able to keep it anyways. Now, moving to uh, Perak uh, Yud, the 10th Perak. So, Yeshaya says, you should put your trust in God. Why? Because... Um, he is strength. He is he he is ade ad. He he is always strength. What does this ade ad mean? Always. Why is God always strength? It, um, the Chavetz Chaim says this even means in times when God is hidden, when He's not necessarily visible in the world, like like today. Um, and people will maybe rebel against Him because God isn't so clear. Nonetheless, even in those times, ade ad always. We need to have faith. Now, there's a mushal, interesting mushal, that uh, the Chavetz Chaim gives. So, a king, um, a king is sovereign over many, many countries, and he ruled with great power. And but he he was a great king. He gave it, all of his places were very, very wealthy, and he treated them well, and he sustained all the places that he ruled over. So, in one particular place, they rebelled against him, foolishly rebelled against him. And the king went on a walk. He heard this beautiful bird singing that he would feed every day. And uh, the king said, send this bird into my into my chambers. So while the bird was being brought into the chambers, the bird was singing. And the king's servant that was carrying the bird said, this is so sad. This bird that was, you know, fed by this king, where is he going to find food from? Because now we're in a time of rebellion. There was that group that rebelled against the king. So... His entire, even this bird now is not going to get food from the king anymore. And um, the other servant with him told the first, told the servant, you're foolish, you're silly. Of course, this bird is going to get food. Um, just because there's one area that's rebelling, that shouldn't, that shouldn't, you know, hurt our belief. And, and so too for us, that just because we see maybe some people not doing what they should, that shouldn't impact the way in the way that we behave um, that we should still behave in the right way. And we should still have faith that we're like that bird that is ultimately not going to be impacted by a few bad, bad, uh, you know, bad apples here and there. Now, the Chavetz Chaim really gets into some Kabbalistic things here. He says there are three worlds in Olam Haba, in the future world. There's this Olam Hayatzira, where the angels live. Better than that is called Olam Habria, and the best of all is Olam where Hashem himself resides. Now, our world is, I guess, nothing. The Chavetz Chaim says, oh, the world we can see is nothing compared to the almost 5 billion angels that are uh, singing and crowning Hashem's name. Again, really no idea what this actually means, but apparently 5 billion angels are out there uh, crowning Hashem's name, it says. And then our world compared to that is like a mustard seed. We're nothing. 
um, compared to these supernatural worlds, which apparently are made up of uh, 18,000 universes, uh, the Chavetz Chaim says. And we should almost feel embarrassment when we don't have faith, that we don't, when we're like, we should think of ourselves like that bird. Of course we're going to be fed. Um, and it's embarrassing to think that we wouldn't be fed uh, or we, 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 we wouldn't be taken care of. Um, now, the Chavetz Chaim says not one angel ever came down to say that God lacked power or energy, that given that there's uh, 18,000 universes and these 5 billion angels out there, and you would think, I guess, the Chavetz Chaim says, one of them would come down and say, you know, God isn't really all he's made up to be. Uh, but since no no angels ever said that to us, then I guess we have to say that um, that uh, God, you know, did take care of them. The angels are the size of many parsos, which is many, many miles long. For example, Gavriel is 2,000 parsos. Um, that's from uh, Daniel. And in, in uh, the Gemara in Chagiga, it says this one angel called um, Sandalphon, his height is 500 years. It's like measured in like light years, basically. Or, or it says maybe though it takes a person, if a person lived until he was 500 years old, he would walk the distance that Sedalphon's height. Um, so it's interesting. It measures height in years, just like we measure sometimes uh, distance in, in light years. So this particular angel was so tall, he had to be measured in years. Yet God takes care of these giants and so too for us, these little people that are, you know, hardly even six feet tall or, or less. So too, God's definitely going to take care of, of us. Um, and it's like the king's son is not going to worry about his next meal. So too, the Jews who in a way are Hashem's children, so to speak, shouldn't worry about our next, uh, our next meal or where we're going to find the next thing. Now, Hashem recreates the universe every single moment. And that is a raya, that's a proof that God hasn't given up on us. Because if he had, the world wouldn't be in existence right now. Um, and the universe was created by the letter He, and Olam Haba is created by the letter Yud, which um, Yud and He, that is God's name. So had God removed his will from the universe, the, the universe, I guess, would cease to exist, whatever that means. And But I guess, again, that's proof that uh, since the world does exist, that we should still have uh, faith. Now, we should understand the tremendous importance of uh, this this faith, this trust, and that will help us avoid speaking Lush and Hora. Now, moving to Yud Aleph, um, the Chavetz Chaim says in the 11th parak that we should avoid all speech that is hurtful to a fellow Jew, and we should strengthen our betachon, our trust in God, in order to avoid being upset at people and avoid degrading and insulting others. Now, if you step down from a particular machlok as a fight, and you are able to just absorb an insult without fighting back, Hashem in, in turn will restore that person. And there's a tremendous uh, mashal, tremendous um, example the Chavetz gives, that let's say uh, a father was giving uh, gifts to his children, and one son snatches a gift from his brother. So the kid uh, tells the, the kid that, that the gift was snatched from, the victim, tells his dad, you know, you told me not to hit my brothers, so I didn't hit him, and if you could, I'd like a replacement gift. So the dad was so proud of this son for not hitting his brother back that he kisses his son and ends up giving him, the son, the victim, the uh, a better gift next time and gave the one that hurt him, gave the, the one that stole the gift absolutely nothing. However, the Chavetz Chaim says, had the brothers started fighting, and battling, then both children would be hated by the father, even though one was, quote-unquote, the victim. Nonetheless, 
both children and it would end up be hated by the father. And God only asks that uh, we love each other, etc. Um, and in Chulin uh, 89a, it says the world was sustained by those who don't respond to conflict. And uh, those people are doubly rewarded. And theft, of course, won't necessarily increase your allotment on Rosh Hashanah. You're allotted a certain amount of wealth in Rosh Hashanah. You're not going to get any more. And if you do try to get more, you're going to ultimately lose it some way by it. It's it's going to be stolen from you or taken by the government, etc. In Baba Batra under 19a, persons, it says whoever steals a pruta, which is just a little like penny almost, whoever steals the smallest amount of thing, it's as if he stole that person's very essence, that person's soul. And in addition to that, he troubles God himself to return it to the rightful owner. Uh, for example, the story of Yaakov, which we just saw in the Parsha. Yaakov saw the that uh, in one of his dreams that the angels were taking the speckled and ringed goats um, and basically stealing them from Lavan and giving them to Yaakov. And Yaakov asked, how is it possible that I'm able to, you know, that, that the angel is able to basically steal from Lavan? How is that allowed? It's because Yaakov never fought Lavan, and Lavan was the one that stole from Yaakov. Lavan tried to change the contract a hundred times and was constantly trying to steal from Yaakov. And in return, God kind of repaid Yaakov by um, divinely taking those ringed sheep that belonged to Yaakov and out of out of uh, Lavan's uh, property and into Yaakov's because, again, because basically Lavan was the thief and it was being returned to the rightful owner. In Tehillim, it says, Tamu, you know, you should taste and see Hashem's goodness. And just like how you're able to taste something and understand that it's good, or see something and understand that it's good, so too, someone with uh, faith in God, Bittachon, etc., you're able to recognize uh, the goodness in the world. Now, to recap what I spoke about, so um, this was Shmir Lashon Sharat Vuna for the ninth to the eleventh parak. And uh, the Chavetz Chaim in the in, in Tet, the, the ninth parak, he says that you should strengthen your bitachon, your, your trust in God. For example, bitachon is good just on its own as an independent thing. But the added benefit of bitachon, of, of trust, is that it keeps you away from speaking Lashon Hora. And the Chavetz Chaim warns that when a person's angry at someone, you'll look for every single fault in that person. You won't judge them favorably. And when you see a fault, you'll report it. You'll speak Lashon Hora about them. And the Chavetz Chaim says, that's silly, that's foolish. Why? Because nobody can take away the honor and the wealth that was decided on Rosh Hashanah for that person. So you might not like the fact that they're so wealthy or so honored, but nothing you can do about it because it was given to that person on Rosh Hashanah. In Yoma 38a, it says, don't be concerned by someone taking your livelihood. Why? Because it had already been decided on Rosh Hashanah. Now, in Tehillim, um, it says that bitach uh, Hashem, you should put your trust in God, do good, live in the land, nourish, be nourished on Imuna. And uh, the Chavetz Chaim says an interesting thing, that we're expected to set aside time to learn Torah, we're expected to give tzedakah, and uh, the, the Chavetz Chaim mentions an interesting thing, that when we do these things, we set aside time to learn, we give tzedakah, it seems like the Yitzhar Hara tells us, that uh, we're giving away our wealth. We're squandering the money that we could be making. Instead of learning, we could be making more money. Instead of giving charity, we could keep that for ourselves. However, the Chavetz Chaim says, no, that that time, we, we had we used it to spend money, to, to make more money or, or not give money away, that would ultimately be lost somehow or other, or we wouldn't make be as fruitful as we thought we would be. 
the um your Xiaomi in Sota says that uh, that a man was approached with a business deal while he was learning Torah. And the man said, you know what, I won't even bother wasting my time talking about this business deal because I know that it's during my learning time and ultimately God will repay you during your learning time. So no point in taking a business deal and, and wasting your learning time uh, in, in that moment. Brachos 16a says that working extra does not necessarily lead to extra money. And Yermiyahu says if you take money that doesn't belong to you, it'll ultimately be taken back um, against your will, and you'll die as a fool. In Avos Rabbi Nassan, it says that a person that wastes time learning Torah will lead to bittel in other parts of his life, lead, lead to wasting time in other parts of his life, which is basically a mida kenegan mida, measure for measure, that a person will lose all the money you know, that he was supposed to go to tzedakah that he thought he would keep, or he'll lose all the time that was supposed to be spent learning Torah um, on other useless things. In Midrash Rabbah, Chazal say that um, a house not open to the poor is open to sickness. That again, that if you're not willing to give, ultimately it'll be taken from you against your will. And suffering from Bittal Torah, you know, and instead of doing it willingly, you're going to be, you're, instead of giving willingly, you're going to be given, you know, against your will, uh, giving against your will, or, or, or it'll be taken from you against your will. Now, and the Chavetz concludes the parak by saying, why struggle with wealth that isn't even yours? Because ultimately, it all it all belongs to God. It'll be taken back, um, sort of divinely, and moved to where it should be in the end. Now, in Parak Yud, it says that um, Ishaya says you should put your trust in God because He is strength. Ade ad, He's always strength. Why always? It says even in times when God is sort of hidden and um, others rebel against him, you still should have faith. And there's a mushal that's given that a king was sovereign over many, many countries, very powerful king, and he ruled with great power and great, um, you know, and, and kept great care of all of his uh, citizens. And the wealth, his wealth sustained everybody in the kingdom. However, there was this one place that rebelled against the king. So the king, hearing about this rebellion, he went on a walk, he heard a bird singing, and he wanted that bird to be brought to him. So the bird was singing on the way to the king, and one of the king's servants said, I feel so bad for this bird. Where's this bird going to get any food during this time of rebellion? And another servant said, you're silly. Of course the bird is going to get food. Uh, just because there's this one rebellion somewhere doesn't mean that this bird isn't going to be sustained. And so too, just because we see some people not behaving in this world doesn't mean that we ourselves shouldn't bother behaving. Of course, we'll still be uh, taken care of, uh, the Chavz Chaim says. There are three worlds in Olam Haba. Again, this is very Kabbalistic, absolutely no idea what this means. But uh, he says, Olam Hayetzira, which is this place of angels. Uh, there's something better than that called Olam Habriya. There's something even better than that, the best of all, called Olam Hayetzilut, which is where God himself resides. And our world is basically nothing compared to these five billion angels that are singing and crowning God's name. Our world's it's like almost like a mustard seed. It's as small as this little dot compared to the supernatural worlds, which apparently there are 18,000 universes, uh, the Chavaz Chaim says. We should feel embarrassed when we don't have bitachon, when we don't have, uh, when we don't have the trust um, that basically all these other worlds are taken care of, so so too our world. And not one angel ever came to us and said, you know what, God really, he never had power to begin with. So there's so many angels, there's, you know, all these angels, all these universes, five billion angels, and nonetheless, none of them have told us, you know, God isn't all he's cracked up to be, so it must be, 
that, uh, that, uh, that God is taking care of them. Now, angels are the size of many parsos, or, or many, many miles long. For example, Gavriel is 2,000 parsos. And uh, in Chagiga, it says this other angel called Sendalphan, his height is 500 years, almost measured in like light years. Uh, it, it, it says that he's, what it means years is that if a person is 500 years old, the amount of times, the, the amount of walking that a person does in his life in 500 years is how tall um, this particular angel was. So there are these huge, ginormous angels. Nonetheless, God sustains all of them. So too, we should have belief that God will sustain us, that we're just like a little mustard seed. God will sustain us. Now, if God, um, now uh, we're like the king's sons, that a king's son doesn't worry about his next meal. So too, uh, the Jewish people are like God's children, etc. And we shouldn't worry about our next meal, uh, or, or, or our you know future earnings. Now, God recreates the universe every moment, so that, I guess, is a riot, it's a proof that God hasn't totally abandoned us, because otherwise we wouldn't, you know, the universe would fail to, would cease to exist, and the universe was created, was supposedly, again, no idea what this means, very Kabbalistic, was created by the letter He, Olam Haba, created by the letter Yud, Yud and He, of course, God's name, so if God removed his will from the universe, then it would cease to exist. So because it exists, that must mean we should still have uh, faith. And again, this is way beyond my understanding of uh, what, what anything is going on here. But this is what the Chavetz Chaim is telling us, um, the importance of uh, this belief. Now, in Yod Aleph, the Chavetz Chaim says we should really try to avoid all speech that may be hurtful to a fellow Jew and strengthen our bitachon, again, our, our faith in God, for and, and avoid being upset at people and, uh, you know, accepting insults. And if you're able to step down from machlokas, if you're able to avoid fighting, then, and absorb insults, Hashem will ultimately pay you back for that. There's a fascinating mashal, uh, fa- fascinating comparison that Chavzai makes. He says, let's say there was a dad giving gifts to his kids, and one son stole, snatched a gift from his brother. So the kid that was the victim told his dad, you know, you told us not to hit each other, so would you mind, I didn't hit him, but would you mind replacing my old gift, the one that you were going to give me? So the dad was so proud of his son for not hurting his other brother that he gave him even a better gift the next time. However, um, if the brother started fighting the brother that stole it from him, then both children would be hated by each other, would be, sorry, would be hated by the father. Not, you know, even the victim would be hated by the father. And um, maybe this is something to reflect on during the current uh, war against uh, Hamas is exactly how far are you supposed to go against Hamas? Maybe you say ultimately, you know, even though clearly the Jewish people are the victims, clearly we're, you know, Hamas is in the wrong, we're in the right. Exactly how far are you supposed to go? Um, That's maybe a question because once we're all fighting, then we're really no better than them. So uh, it's a question exactly how far we're supposed to go. I'm not sure, but it, it seems like this might give us some insight that, that this particular, you know, we should view ourselves as just because we're the victim, that doesn't necessarily mean that we should have license to beat up the, the guy that uh, stole from us. That maybe we just say, okay, turn the other cheek and God will sort of do it on his own. Um, an interesting idea there. Uh, now, God only asks that we love one another, that uh, we, we love one another um, like ourselves, 
And uh, Rkuen 89a says, a world sustained by those that don't respond to conflict, that the, the world is sustained by those that don't respond to conflict and will actually be doubly rewarded for, for not responding. In theft, um, won't necessarily increase your allotment on Rosh Hashanah. You think maybe, well, stealing, that'll make, may make me more money. However, it's not necessarily true. You're going to lose it some other way. You're either going to lose it by it being stolen from you or the government taking it, etc. But Basra says in 119a, says whoever steals even just a pruta, a little uh, penny, it's as if he stole that person's soul. And God will now have to trouble himself to return it to the rightful owner. An example of returning it to the rightful owner so Yaakov, he saw angels take speckled goats from Lavan and hand them over back to Yaakov. And uh, Yaakov said, well, Yaakov kind of asked God, how could these angels basically be stealing on my behalf? So God answered him, it's because Lavan stole against you. Lavan changed your contract a hundred times and stole against you. So in turn, I'm just kind of uh, setting things even, putting the, you know, putting the uh, counting books back in order by giving what rightfully belongs to you back to you. Now, in Tehillim, it says, Tamu, you should taste and see Hashem's goodness. And just like you're able to taste or see something that's good, so too, um, someone with bitachon, uh, with faith, is able to recognize goodness. Now, to read my poem, an angel's height is 500 years. It's best to stay silent against jeers and sneers. Strive to become a willing donor because Hashem will return money to its rightful owner. And with that, this has been uh, Shmir Lashon, Shar HaTavuna, um, uh, the ninth parak to the 11th parak, and uh, L'chaim, L'chaim.